This has been a great Sunday already. Um, I already mentioned the sunshine, but I don't know if y'all realize I have a new headset on today. (laughs) I'm just saying it's not going to be wagging back and forth today, and I'm so excited about that. So it's already a win. (laughs) It's already a win. And Laura May, thank you for um, allowing us to step into our place of childhood and to be children, children of God. Great job. Thank you very much. And um, all are welcome. Like, wow, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Ah, Okay, let me see if I can do my part. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. Listen, will you, for the word of God as it's proclaimed by through these words of the evangelist Luke. One day, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say stand up? And walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who is paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God. And were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. The word of God for the people of God. So Jack and I have this friend whose name is Jim Huffman. Can you turn me down just one notch, maybe? Thank you. Jack and I have a friend by the name of Jim Huffman, and uh, he's brilliant. He is a, a nano, he, he has a PhD in nanophysics. See, I can't even say it, nanophysics. It's far beyond anything that I deal with on a daily basis. Um, he taught at Cambridge University. His hobby is playing the bagpipes. So he plays the bagpipes all over Dallas, and he plays in a bagpipe band. Like, that's nerdy. Really. He plays in a bagpipe band in Dallas, Texas. Wow. Anyway, he used to play occasionally at um, Arapahoe United Methodist Church when we, when Jack was pastoring there and I used to go there and it's just amazing to hear him play Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. Really special. 
Not too long ago, Jim was invited to play at the wedding for his niece, and she was getting married at an old ancient castle in Scotland. And so it was going to be a very traditional, very formal wedding. So Jim was all decked out in his kilt, and it was his job to to do the uh, the processional at the very beginning of the service. And so he appeared on the top of the stairs coming down into the room in this incredibly picturesque setting, and all eyes were on him, and people were waiting to hear... Uh, Pachabel's canon in D or some such thing that would signal the arrival of the bridal party into the room. And so he began to play. And what came out was happy birthday. <laughs> Jim said later he was so, just so overwhelmed with the emotion of the moment. He had no idea what he was playing. Happy birthday. In an ancient castle in Scotland, in a kilt, okay? You may get the picture, y'all. I suppose all of us has a story or two that's just like that, a story of one of our most embarrassing moments. And if Jack ever gets a chance to preach again, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But if he ever does, I know that he will tell a story that is one of my most embarrassing moments. He just can't wait to tell it, right? Anyway, what this story illustrates is that we are not perfect. What did you say? You need a pulpit. Oh, no. He says that frequently. Anyway, what this story is illustrating is that we are not perfect. We are not, we are so not perfect, right? We are not perfect. And so when we gather as church, we gather as a bunch of very imperfect real human beings with all of our flaws, and we all have diverse perspectives, and we have diverse viewpoints, and diverse personalities, and diverse gifts to share with the community. And friends, let's just face it, that can be a little messy. Can I get an amen? It's a little messy. So there, there are people in our congregations that we have folks in our congregation who are very committed to our music ministry. And we have folks in our congregation who are very committed to our justice ministries and do a great job with that. We have very, we have people who are, are very uh, committed to uh, giving their leadership to our church. Um, all kinds of things that people are committed to in our church, and sometimes it gets a little messy, and that's what it means to be authentic community. This past Thursday evening, we hosted an event here at the church called Vote Common Good. It was a nonpartisan event that uh, is part of a caravan that's moving down through the country um, and hitting stops that they think where there may be an opportunity to flip Congress. Now, you might think, oh, that's a, that's a democratic event. No, it's not really. It's actually, they're calling people of all parties and all persuasions to try and make a difference in our government so that we can have a check on the power of the executive branch. Um, in any case, it was a nonpartisan event. It was moving through the country. Its purpose was to encourage people to vote, but mostly encouraging people to vote for the common good according to their faith. 
The speakers were theologians, activists, poets, musicians um, from all over the country and even from different places in the world. There was somebody from Croatia. There was somebody from Finland. There's a person from Michigan, from Atlanta, from Minneapolis, from Oregon. They were in their 30s and they were in their 70s. They were evangelical Christians and progressive Christians and there was a Muslim person um, they were Anglo and African-American. They were gay. They were straight. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine two months on the road in a bus crammed with 12 beds stacked on top of each other and a diversity of perspectives on just about everything except, of course, for their commitment to a God of grace? and their commitment to a platform that would represent the interests of God in the world. Candidates who speak at these rallies are asked to sign on to a platform that is consistent with a platform that Jesus might have been approving of, that Jesus might have stood for, even though Jesus was never mentioned in the in the actual platform. So some of the planks of their platform include... We will vote with the poor, vulnerable, and forgotten in mind, with religious, racial, and gender minorities, with children and the elderly, with the sick and diversely abled, upholding the God-given dignity of all people, no exceptions. That's one of the planks of vote common good. We will vote with God's creation, the planet, in mind. The oceans, the rivers, the streams, the mountains, the valleys, the farmland, the pastures, the atmosphere, the delicate balance of nature and our fellow creatures. Most importantly of all, there are several other planks, and you can go online and find this, but we will vote in the midterm elections not merely for personal, group, or party interests, but for the common good. We are all part of something larger than our own lives. I think that's something that we can all get behind. Biblically speaking, these commitments are an attempt to live and to vote out of our covenant with God. Our covenant with each other and with God is foundational. It's the foundation for our faith. It's the foundation for our church It is foundational for us. No matter how different and imperfect we are, we can be in authentic relationship with one another because we are in covenant. Because we are in covenant. Covenant is a concept as old as our faith, and it's always defined the self-understanding of the faithful community from way back when it was a community of Hebrews, all the way up through the formation of the Christian community to today. We are called together and we are held together by our covenant. A covenant is an agreement wherein people are bound together in steadfast, unwavering relationship because they hold something in common. They hold something in common. So in its most ancient form, a covenant relationship was a family held together by the sharing of common blood. If you were kin, you were in covenant because you shared common blood. 
If you and I share common blood, then we are in relationship and that we are bound together in an inseparable, unwavering commitment to one another through the sharing of common blood. Concept of covenant then evolved and it was understood that blood isn't the only thing that we could share in common in order to establish our covenant with one another and with God. We could share a common soul, a common spirit. And so in the Bible, you have that beautiful story of Jonathan and David. The soul of Jonathan and the soul of David were knit together and they were as one soul. Sharing a common soul or a common spirit was every bit as binding and steadfast as sharing common blood. Then the concept of covenant developed even further when our ancestors realized that when they shared a common will, they were in covenant. So those who share the will of God in common are bound together in covenant bound together in a covenant relationship. And it's always the strongest will in that relationship, which is the guiding will. And that's the will of God. So our covenant, what draws us together is that we share in common the common will of God. And God's will uh, governs our covenant with one another. You see? Our church, then, is not only made up of imperfect people in authentic community, but it's also bound together by the will of God that we hold in common. The will of God is expressed in all that we do, in the values that we hold dear here as a covenant community. So it's expressed in our commitment to treating all people as beloved children of God. That's part of our, that's part of the will of God. It's the covenant that we share with each other. Our commitment to caring for one another and to caring for God's creation. That's part of our covenant. It's part of what we share in common. Our commitment to reaching out in justice and compassion. That's part of our covenant. All of these things are expressions of the will of God that we hold in, co- in common. And that's what holds us together as a community. It's a covenant that also reminds us that we are part of something that's larger than ourselves. Something that matters. Something that has purpose. Something that has deep value in the world. Our covenant community, and I don't need to say this, but our covenant community functions at its best when everyone in the community offers his or her unique gifts and blessings to support the well-being of the community. We've all been given these uniquely wonderful gifts and blessings to be shared, blessings that include music or cooking, blessings that include listening and teaching, creativity and leadership, huge hugs kind words, encouragement, accountability. All of those are gifts that we have. All of us have gifts to share in the upholding of the community. And here's what's ha- what, what, what happens when we share our gifts. When our gifts are freely given, when they're equally valued, there's this huge outpouring of love that is life-giving, 
It's life-giving. I think that's what happened in the story that we just read. It's a powerful story about how an authentic community filled with real people, filled with imperfect people, trying to live out of their common understanding of the will of God, helped a person to find new life. Each person, each of the characters in the story, made a contribution to this guy's healing. We are told that he was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. But he wants to change. He wants that to change. That's the unique blessing he brings to the community. He had the will to change the circumstances of his life. And life can be discouraging and messy. So having the will to live in a new way is a wonderful blessing to bring to the community. This guy had friends, and the friends blessed him by their conviction that if they could just get him close enough to Jesus to feel the power of love that they had experienced, maybe this person would feel better. Maybe he'd be healed. So they each took a corner of the blanket. And they climbed up on the roof because they couldn't make their way through the, the crowd. They just couldn't get him close enough. So they each took a corner of the blanket and they carried this guy up onto the roof and they dug a hole in the roof. And they laid him down into the center of the crowd, right at the feet of Jesus. If any one of them had let go of their corner of the blanket... This guy would have been stuck. Or worse yet, he would have rolled off and tumbled to the ground. And then there's another character in the story, the crowd. The crowd played a vital role in the drama of this covenant love. They pointed the way to Christ. There was this whole crowd of people who had gathered around Jesus. And they had created kind of a fuss. So people walking by were wondering what's what's happening there. It looks like something important, something purposeful, something worth being involved in is happening there. That's what the crowd did. They pointed the way. They were that big neon light that says, come here to find love, to find healing. That's what the crowd did. Even the scribes and the Pharisees, they had a role to play in this community too. I know, those Pharisees. But you know what they did? They raised questions. They questioned Jesus. Thanks be to God for the doubt and the questions. Because by that, the community got clarity on what was happening and on who Jesus was, and on the power of sacred love. By their questions, all of that became a little clearer to people who were questioning their faith. And Christ, Christ was at the center of that covenant, just like Christ is at the center of this covenant community. Christ is at the center of our covenant, sharing love that will heal us.
that sense of being loved was so powerful for this guy that he got up and walked. Whatever it was that had him paralyzed, whatever it was, became powerless against the power of God's love. This man was healed because of what happens when a community shares in the common will of God. Now, here's what I think. I think there are lots of people who may be passing by on Preston Road. They may be looking through the wonder, the, the window and wondering what's going on in this place. And they may have seen the big trucks out here on Thursday night, and they may have seen the pumpkin carnival, carnival the preschool did, and they be, may just be wondering what all the hubbub is about. And there are probably more than a few of those people who have been hurt by the church, who are grieving the loss of someone or something in their lives, who are looking for purpose, who are looking to be part of a community that has value and that will value them. I think those people are passing by here every day of the week. And I think that they're looking for hope in a world that doesn't feel hopeful sometimes. When I was pastor at Greenland Hills, there was a gentleman by the name of Tony Wood who I became very close to. He was diagnosed with MLS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He struggled with it for several years until he lost the ability to move at all. And eventually he was dependent on a ventilator connected to his wheelchair. The time came for Tony and Janelle to move up to Tacoma, Washington, where their son lived and where Tony was involved in doing medical research about cures for ALS. And so they packed up and got ready to go to Tacoma, but it was quite an adventure, as Janelle said. I mean, they literally had to pack up medical personnel and lots of medical equipment on this van. They had a a whole entourage of people that were required to get Tony from Dallas to Tacoma. And challenging was the fact that every day, midday, he had to recharge the batteries for his ventilator. So they were driving from Dallas to Tacoma, and they had to stop midday all along the way. Well, here's what Janelle did. Janelle is a lifelong Methodist. She knew about the Methodist church, and she said every small church, every small town that we're going to go through has a Methodist church. So we're going to stop at the Methodist church on our way up in every town we come to. So my role was to call the pastor of that United Methodist Church as they went along and asked the pastor if he could, he or she could possibly open up the building and give respite to this traveling entourage and give Tony a place to plug in his batteries and recharge his equipment. So they stopped in Henrietta just right up the road here. And then they started, they stopped in Lamar United Methodist Church in Colorado. Then they were in Laramie, Wyoming. And they were at First United Methodist Church in Ogden, Utah. Then they were at First Church Ontario, Oregon. Then they were in Gresham United Methodist Church in Gresham, Oregon, until they finally reached their destination. All of these churches, 
welcomed Tony. All of these churches welcome Tony because that's what a covenant community does. They throw open their doors and welcome folks because that's the will of God. I suppose it doesn't take very much to offer an electrical outlet for an hour, right? No real big deal. But for Tony, that simple gift sustained his life. He needed a place to recharge his life support system. When we give to the church, we give to a covenant community that offers us a place to plug in and to recharge our life support system. We understand that we're part of something larger than ourselves. We experience covenant at its very best, a flawed and messy community of real folk who share their blessings so that people are healed, so that lives are made whole, so that systems of oppression can be confronted with Christ at the center, according to what we hold in common, which is the will of God. That, my friends, is why we are here and why we give to our church and the ministry that we've been called to. May it be so. Amen.